You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome, friend. Today's episode is pretty much a mandatory listen. Like, I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. Just kidding, I do. It's my podcast. But uh, you are not allowed to skip this episode. If you're a business owner in any capacity that struggles with knowing how to price yourself, when to price yourself, and just like a whole lot of feels about pricing, like if you feel unqualified to raise your prices, you feel icky charging big bucks, all of that jazz... Listen, friend, friend, listen right here. You have to listen to the queen today. We had the iconic India Earl on the show to give us a hefty kick in the booty that we need on pricing psychology. Now, India, if you haven't heard of her, you probably have because Loki, she's the queen, but she is a photographer and business coach for creatives based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Her photography focuses on emotion, romanticizing every chapter of life, regardless of how beautiful or broken it may seem on the outside. She specializes in self-love sessions, empowering women, couples, and small weddings in nature. She's an avid outdoorist and an animal lover, raising chickens and honeybees in her backyard with her two dogs. And her education takes on a holistic approach, sharing mindset for each of our students so they can learn how to empower themselves, their business, and their art. Now, today we had a literal life-changing conversation all about pricing strategy with India. Have I told you how many times that you need to listen to this episode? I'm not kidding. She came in freaking hot with the booty kick that we all need when it comes to pricing yourself as an entrepreneur. And India just walks us through how to know when to raise your prices, what gauges and metrics to use to determine where your price point should sit, what mindset hurdles to tackle head-on when it comes to upping what you charge, how to handle discounts or working for free and literally so much more. This is just, guys, it is a doozy of an episode. Get a pen and paper and prepare to pause this episode feverishly scribbling notes while your heart gets wrecked. I'm not kidding. I'll shut up. Let's dive into pricing strategy with India Earl. Photographers, I'm going to tell it to you straight today. One thing Lindsay and I have noticed over the years of coaching so many photographers is that many of us spend a majority of our time stuck behind a computer, editing, calling, delivering our photos, which can actually lead us to not focusing on the overall growth of our business or giving our clients an out-of-this-world experience. But the good news is that it does not have to be this way. Today, we want to introduce you to Post Partner. Unlike other photo editing companies, Post Partner is designed to partner with you for the long term as you grow your business. They pair you up with a dedicated editor committed to learning your unique style. You get direct access to your editor to build a collaborative relationship without having to manage a staff member in-house. So let's get you out of your editing cave so you can get back to growing your business and getting your life back. To get started with a free trial, go to postpartner.com forward slash heart and hustle. That's postpartner.com forward slash heart and hustle and use the code heart and hustle for $200 off your first order. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Welcome to the show, India. This is an honor. We are so excited you're here today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. We've been needing to have this conversation for so long. So I'm happy it's finally happening. I know. I I told you before we started recording, you've been on our list to be on the show forever. And I'm so glad. Uh, So it's been like three years. Literally when we first started this podcast, we like bucket, that's not even a word. Like we just wrote down a bunch of- Bucket listed? Were you going to say that? I guess I was going to say bucketed, but that is not it. (laughs) Anyways, we wrote down a list of every single person that we could think of that we were like, oh, if they could come on this show, your name was definitely on that list. So alas, here we are. <laughs> I'm honored to be in the bucket. Thank you. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Oh man. Okay. Well, before we dive in, are you down to share a little bit of your story, a little bit about yourself and how you got into photography and then maybe a tiny bit of how you got into photography education as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, I started photography when I was 14, just like Flickr, Tumblr days, was editing everything with Photo Bucket <laughs> and Picnic. If you, you guys are yes. around, this. <laughs> all the good stuff. Oh, bless me. I was like also just like hand editing every single photo through Photoshop. Like, I'm like, 
painting in clouds. I'm like completely <laughs> changing the bodies of who I'm like photographing. Like that was just the style. Like I'm like whitening everyone's teeth and yes. eyes and everything. Just like, oh, hun. Um, but that's like literally how I got started was like just Flickr, like 365 projects where you do self-portraits. And I got really into like surrealism photography, which taught me like a ton about editing because you're basically just like, photoshopping yourself like floating through freaking space <laughs> and whatever like it was a whole thing um but that's like how I kind of just self-educated on all of it and then eventually I had people like in my church in my high school that were like oh I want pictures and that's just kind of how my little business was born so I've actually never had like a real job I've only ever worked <laughs> for myself um so I was kind of like an early bloomer with my career but I did that. I shot my first wedding when I was 16. And I mean, I'm sure I did a terrible job, but my <laughs> was like, here's 200 bucks. And I was like, this is a huge deal. Like, yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm the queen of the world now. <laughs> yeah, my mom like came with me and like helped me shoot it. I was just like, Aww. yep. I don't know who's like willing to hire a 16 year old for their wedding photos, but here I am. But I just loved it so much. Like I just fell so much more in love with shooting couples and weddings like really early on. I just connected with it so much more than shooting like, I mean, I was shooting like newborns and like extended families and like all the things that we all do at the very beginning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. So then I got into like shooting couples and things like that. I went to college when I was 17 and um, stayed in for about two and a half years before I ended up dropping out. I tried studying. I was one of those people that just like kept changing my major. Cause I was just like, I just don't know what I want to do. Like I really wanted like a full education because that was like drilled into me as a kid is like, get your degree, get your degree. But I was like in some photography classes and marketing classes and graphic design classes, like in college. And I was like, I know more than what I'm being taught. when mm -hmm. I'm 18 years old, like just because I ran my own business. And so I was like, okay, this is so dumb. They're literally just telling me to order these freaking Amazon books. And then we just walk through the book for the whole semester. And like, I mean, I had like a photography pre professor that like had a heart to heart come to Jesus moment with me at one point that was like, you probably shouldn't pursue photography. Like, no. <laughs> I was like, this is my LeBron James story getting going right here. You just watch. But I, uh, I don't know. I just kind of got to a point where I was like, I just want to take one year off of school. I loved school. I adored going to school. I I don't know. I've always just been one of those people, but I was like, I just want to like take one year and just see what happens if I like put all this time I'm putting in a school into my business and like actually go full time with it. So I dropped out that year is the year that I like went balls to the walls, like shot every single thing that I could have possibly gotten my hands on. And I just... I don't know. I, I thought I was really good. I actually was just charging really, really cheap. And we'll get into that in a minute. But <laughs> I've shot 70 weddings that year. Oh, wow. My gosh. Yeah, would not recommend. Um, <laughs> I would do like triple header weekends. And in Utah, a lot of them were like Mormon weddings. So it's kind of like a half day of like a normal wedding. But there was times where I shot two weddings in a day. Like I was oh, crazy. I don't gosh. know. I don't know. I don't know who let me do that. And I my thought body hurts listening to that. Like thinking about it. Yeah. That was like before like Instagram was really a thing. Like I think, I mean, it was a thing, but like that wasn't how I was getting any jobs. Like I was just doing right. everything off of word of mouth. Like every time I'd go to a wedding, I would just like kind of end up chatting with the bridesmaids and like in Utah everyone's getting married constantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just like culture here. And so that's just like how I like grew my business was literally just like chatting with wedding guests and like just word of mouth. And then I kind of got to a point where I got burnt out, obviously. Can you imagine? Um, no, so I'm shocked. <laughs> I like now, now I'm like, oh my gosh, 12 weddings in a year. That's way too much for me. <laughs> I'm like so bougie and bratty about it now. But um, I like kind of got to this point where I was like, okay, I am li literally living in my car. I was living in my Honda Civic and <laughs> camping for like no that entire year. So I was like, and it was before like van life, like van life wasn't like a cute thing people were doing. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing civic life, like on the college campus, just like in Walmart parking lots. Um, but I just got to a point where I was like, I need, like, how am I working so much? And I am not making enough money. Like I really want an apartment. That would be cool. 
Um, and so I like uh, kind of sat down at one point and was like, how much am I actually making? Because up until that point, like, I mean, I'd been doing photography for so long. I had good work and everything like that, but I was not making the amount of money that I should have been making for working 70 weddings a year. And that's not even like counting all the shoots and the bridles and all that stuff that goes along with it. Um, and I broke it all down because I'd always just spitballed my pricing before and based it off of what other people in my area were charging. And in Utah, it's like insanely competitive. Literally everyone here and their dog is a freaking photographer. (laughs) Like you go to like any cute field at sunset, there's going to be minimum like 10 families getting their, their photos taken. Like it's literally like a zoo. It's so weird. Like, um, but yeah, like everyone here is really competitive with their pricing. Um, not many people in Utah want to value photography at the level that they, that like I would want to charge. And anyway, so it's just, it's, it's a competitive area, I guess. Um, and we'll talk more about that as well, but I calculated how much I was making hourly. Once I like sat down and figured it all out, (laughs) I was making like $4 and 50 cents an hour. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. (laughs) So like I could just work at, McDonald's and like actually have, you know, an apartment. Yeah. Like have an apartment, have health insurance, like all these things. And so I was like, okay, something's got to change. Like, and I mean, up until that point, I literally was just like looking at what everyone else was charging and just taking like, like just basing my numbers off of that. Like I, at one point made like a it was like a Jane Doe email address. I don't even know what the email address I made up was. It was probably like, I don't know, horse girl 300 or something like that at Hotmail. But like I went through and like emailed all these photographers in Utah that I felt like had similar work to me. And I like pretended to be a bride. I was such a catfish, but like literally <laughs> no one else taught me this shit. So I had to figure out on my own. This sounds so sketchy. Your listeners are probably like, whoa. <laughs> but- Um, I just like pretended to be a bride so I could like do market research on pricing that way. Because even during that time, like when I was getting started, like community over competition and like online educational resources like this, or like online education at all, like even photography workshops that like wasn't a thing. Like it was like only for like really high level, like fashion portrait photographers out there, like nothing for like our niche industry. And so you just kind of had to figure stuff out on your own. Um, but yeah, like I was just like looking at what other people were charging and then basing everything off of that for so long. And I didn't realize how much it was financially screwing me over and also just draining me of like literally all my passion for photography and running my own business in the first place. Cause like everyone gets burnt out. It's very inevitable, especially when you work for yourself. And like, I think you just learn to be better at it and how to give yourself more grace, um, around it and how to set boundaries as time goes on. But it is just like those points, like those highs and lows that you have to hit in order to learn how to kind of move the needle in the direction that you want your business to go for you. Um, so that was kind of like my process was like, okay, I need to like unlearn all these rules that I've thought I needed to abide by for so long and just make up my own rules, make up something that works really well for me and then execute that and figure out how to make it basically competition proof. So that way I can charge what I need, um, and not be basing my worth off of what others are telling me I'm worth. So that was kind of like how I got into deep diving into like pricing and stuff like that. And at that time, that's like when I was getting into photography education as well. So yeah. (laughs) Okay. First of all, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing like the dirt on the fact that (laughs) you were the the catfish that Lindsay and I have to look out for now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, whenever I get like an inquiry, that's like so perfect. Like it's too ideal. It's like, we, we are graphic designers on the road and we're eloping in Iceland and we want to wear like a fedora and a really bow. Dress. But like, it's so detailed yeah. that you're like, another photographer wrote this knowing what a dream inquiry looks like. Yeah. There is no way a client knew all these details to put in. Like, <laughs> you're like, something's wrong. You're like, okay. Right, right. And I'm like, are you fishing for my pricing? You, you know, are. that was that inquiry you got was probably India. She was doing marketing. <laughs> marketing. Yeah, for that. yeah, that was definitely me. With also, also, I have to call Evie out right now. Okay. <laughs> I think your email was lit, literally like your actual like 
high school email yes. is horse girl. <laughs> horse crazy gal. Oh, it was. Oh, I, I, bring her back. <laughs> I still have it. I literally still have that. Still one of my personal. Wait, literally, we were like choking laughing when you said that. <laughs> you were like, it's horse girl something. And Lindsay and I looked at each other and could not, I mean, dying. It's fine. Mine dying. was mine was drama underscore queen underscore Lindsay. Yep. There you go. Jess is embarrassed. embarrassing. At hotmail.com. Yes. Okay. hotmail. Yes. Oh, oh. oh, it's so good. Okay. Well, I feel like we just covered, you just covered so much of your story, but then also everything that you explained in your pricing of a not realizing that you were like overworking yourself and getting paid, you know, $4 and something cents per hour is so common in photographers. And then not knowing you're like, okay, well, I want to make more, but how, how do I raise my prices? How do I market my raised prices? How do, how do I go about this whole situation? And I know you are the queen of this India. So we are ready to dive deep, get wrecked. Yes. So (laughs) (laughs) when, I guess, when do you feel like a photographer should raise their prices or even a service provider, like any, yes, any service provider? When do you feel like a service provider should raise their prices? (laughs) And then like, do you, I, do you feel like there's like a, a milestone or points or, or key moments throughout their career that they should do check-ins on their pricing? Mm -hmm. Or I guess just what are your thoughts? Oh, I love talking about raising prices because I feel like it's like another one of those things where people just kind of follow these like unspoken rules based on what they see other people do. Like, I feel like I only ever see photographers raising their prices like once a year, every December and January, they'll be like, Hey, like my prices are going up for 2023, 2024, whatever. And then that's like the only time they raise your price, their prices. And I'm like, that is literally the slowest way to scale your business (laughs) (laughs) once on a yearly basis. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, And it's like, why are they waiting for that? Yeah. Like a magical end. That's just what you see other people do. And so you're like, that's the way I do it. Um, but for me, I mean, I think the first indicator of like, you should raise your prices is if you've ever thought if you should raise your prices or not. (laughs) Like, yes. If you ever ask yourself that question, it's always going to be a yes. I feel like there's so many ways to go about it. My way is very much personalized. I don't look at what anyone else is doing. Um, That's like everything that I teach regarding pricing. It's all about like just blocking out what everyone else is doing, blocking out what your quote unquote competition is doing, um, what other people in your area are charging, how they're raising prices, lowering prices, what things they're doing, whatever. Like I unsubscribe from all of that. And I just make a plan that works for me because you literally never know like what other people's expenses and pricing situations are. Like I had a, just like a quick story. I had an experience where one of the people that I was basing my prices off of for the longest time. His name was Ben and he's not a photographer anymore. He's absolutely amazing. But like, I like adored his work and I did the catfishing thing, got his pricing guide, yada, yada. And like his work is what I felt like my work resembled the closest. And like, I don't know, we just were such a match um, that I was like, I'm just going to match his prices because he seems like he knows what he's doing. He's getting booked out, blah, blah, blah. I ended up like a few months later, it was so weird. We ended up like becoming best friends for like a whole year and doing all these shoots together. And we just like started to like run our businesses together in a lot of ways. And we were sitting there one day and I was telling him how I like catfished him. I was like, I have to come clean, you know? And he was like, Oh my gosh, please do not like base your prices off of me. He was like, I have like a college scholarship. I don't pay for anything of my stuff, like my stuff, like my photography gear was bought for me. Like I'm just doing this as a hobby. This isn't going to be my career. Like I'm going to go do professional sports. Like he was like, I'm just charging like a random amount. He's like, I don't even know what I charge. Like he's like, definitely don't base it on me. He's like, you actually have like bills to pay. And like, this is going to be your career. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like you just don't know, you know, like you don't know if they have secondary streams of income, if like, it's just a hobby thing for them, if it's, you know, their full-time thing. If I don't know, you just never know. So I think it's just really risky to base your prices off of other people because you just don't know. Like also they probably did the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so to me, it's really important to like create a very personalized strategy that works for you. And then again, like basically, proofs it from any sort of competition trends, anything like that. So that way 
you're not having to constantly like guess if you're overcharging, undercharging, um, if you're making enough, if you're making too little, if you're doing things the right or wrong way. Um, I'm all about like understand the rules and then break them. Um, that's like how I think anyone that's very successful in business, like that's what they understand is like you understand the rules and then you understand how to creatively break them in a way that makes sense for you and your customers. Um, so for me with raising prices, I had to just throw away all the preconceived notions that I had about how you were like, quote unquote, supposed to do it. Um, cause I was doing just the once a year for a really long time and you really can't scale that quickly doing that. And so I got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm going to look at my booking rates. So I'm going to start tracking how many inquiries I have coming in every single month, how many actually book, and then look at the financial stability that I have for myself for the coming months or coming year, depending on how far you're booked out. And that kind of helps you determine how aggressively you can raise or lower your prices. I think a lot of people think you should only ever raise your prices. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, feel free to lower them. Like, you literally don't know what you're able to charge until you give people the opportunity to pay you that. And so there's times where I will experiment with my pricing where I just jump it way, way up when I have a good amount of financial security set my set up for myself. Like if I'm booked eight months out, if I'm booked six months out, a year out, like that's a lot of financial security coming. And that helps me know like, all right, well, I have like, you know, a 30% booking rate. Great. Like I think that I could, you know, slowly move the needle into the direction of having a 20% booking rate. So I'm going to up my prices this much for this month, track how it, you know, performs, and then just take that information and adjust my my pricing strategy around that. Um, I hope this makes sense. I feel like oh, it's it does. a good subject. But... No, this is so good. Oh, wait, were you still oh, talking? No, yeah, I'm still going. Sorry. I'm just like, oh, no, go, please. <laughs> Um, so I basically will look at how long am I booked out for? What is my booking rate? Um, so I mean, if you have like HoneyBook and stuff like that, that makes it quite a bit easier to track things like that. But if you don't, you basically just track how many inquiries are coming in, how many are booking on average, that's your booking rate. Um, if you're booking over 50% of your inquiries, you're absolutely charging way too much. Uh, or sorry, way too little. <laughs> you need to raise your prices. Um, you're too available. Um, like at one point I realized, like when I sat down and figured all that out and I was making $4 and 50 cents, um, I was booking like nine out of 10 inquiries. And that just showed me that I was way, way, way too available. Like my goal was to work less for more money. And so I was like, I need to cut that down. I basically need to double my prices and work half as much to make this sustainable for me. Um, and so then I started shooting to like raise my prices over and over and over in small increments until I got to the point where I was around a 30 to 40% booking rate. And now like where I'm at with my business now, it's like evolved and refined quite a bit over the years. Like I shoot for a 10% booking rate. So one out of 10 people that reach out to me, those are the ones that should be able to hire me. If more mm -hmm. people can book me, um, then I'm charging up too, too little. Um, so that for me feels really good because I would rather take on, you know, 10 clients a year and give them like a full, amazing, gorgeous experience with me and really just like serve them rather than take on like 30 clients and do just like an okay job at 30 clients, you know, yes. um, I want to make the same amount or more working for way less clients to me that like keeps my passion alive. That's what makes me really happy. Um, so that for me is a huge priority in my pricing. And like when I'm raising my prices, I'm kind of following a strategy that I have made up that depending on how far you are booked out and what your booking rate is, it helps you kind of determine how aggressive of an approach you can take to raising and lowering your prices until you find that sweet spot of like, okay, like this is where the bookings drop off. This is my sweet spot. I'm going to continue charging this for the next four months and then kind of just check back in. Like I check in with my business on a seasonal basis. So kind of quarterly it ends up, but like before summer, after summer, and then like in the winter, you know, slow mm -hmm. season. So I kind of do like three or four check-ins with my business every single year and make pivots and changes. And that usually also includes uh, adjusting pricing. 
So, so good. Okay. I, I have follow-up questions from that. <laughs> um, do you, do you believe in putting starting prices on your website? And then the follow-up question to that, that cause I'm playing devil's advocate to somebody that's listening to this. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. If you're fluctuating that much, like I, I could see somebody being worried about if they did that, then like the, their potential clients would see the pricing going up or down, or even past clients would be like, wait, I charged, she paid, like she charged me 10 K for this. And now she's charging whatever, like, which I think kind of relates kind of to putting starting prices on your website. So that's kind of why I'm interlocking those questions together. Um, Does that make sense? (laughs) Absolutely. I'm a huge advocate for putting your starting prices on your website. To me, it's such a waste of time to literally speak with anyone like over email (laughs) or (laughs) with someone that can't, like, isn't already sure that they can afford me. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just such a waste of time and also just waste of energy. Like there's nothing more deflating than getting that email of being like, Oh, sorry. Well, like this photographer said they don't, they do it for only this much, or they would give us a discount or, Oh, well, like my cousin can do it instead. Or like, Oh, do you offer discounts? Like that just hurts. (laughs) And like, to me, I'm like, I just want to protect my little energy bubble more than anything, because if I do that, that literally makes me more money. Like I'm all about protecting and preserving your passion. And so for me, like that is one of the most deflating feelings is talking to a client that can't afford you. Um, so for me, I always have kept my starting prices on my website. Um, I think it's just a really great way to weed out people that can't afford you. Um, but that also like, I don't do that without also educating people on how to value me. Like that's, that's all that marketing is like, yes, you're like educating them on like what you offer and what you're selling, but also like why they need to value you at the price point that you're selling yourself at. And basically getting them into the mindset of being like, Oh, I would be so dumb to like not hire India. Like this is amazing. Like, of course I want this. Like her offers are so good. Like that's kind of how I go about my marketing is being like, no, like what I offer is so freaking juicy. And like, it's an amazing thing. And like, just having that confidence, like I communicate that at every single step of my client journey. Um, because I think that any client can be your ideal client. If you give them the opportunity to be it and you have to be the one to educate them. Um, and that definitely starts on your website. So definitely don't just throw your starting prices on your website without also like doubling down and backing that with like educating on the value and like on what sets you apart on why like they need this luxury service. Like, I mean, there's so many different types of service providers. I know you guys have a lot of people in your audience that are photographers, but I'm sure you have a lot of like designers, florists, planners, coaches, like you name it, like whatever it is, like all of this stuff still applies. Your mm-hmm. website is like such an amazing portal to be able to just pour your heart out of like, just being like, this is like what I offer. And like, this is why I charge what I charge. Like, I don't do that in like a way where I'm like, well, it takes me this much time to edit your photos and this much time <laughs> to do this. It's not like that. It's just like, like on my contact page, one of the first lines on it says like, I'm not the cheapest photographer you're going to reach out to. And that's okay. Like, yeah, because yeah. I charge what I charge for a reason. And like, I'm fully aware that there are a million photographers out there now, like even in Utah, in my area, in our niche, like that charge half as much as I do. And I think they have better photos than I do. But at a certain point, you have to realize that like, you're not just selling photos and you're not just selling your price. You have to have a third element that you're selling. And that's what you need to be just honing in on and communicating the value of over and over and over again at every single point of your client's journey. So that way they can understand once they get to that point of seeing your prices, it's not a shock factor for them. It's not like that's the make or break deal for them. Um, like I have a really wide scope of clients where they're either like spending their entire wedding budget on me or they're extremely wealthy. Like I have a very diverse like range of clients as far as what they're willing to spend and what they're willing to value on things. And it really just comes down to teaching them how to value it. And then also Mm -hmm. how to like treat me as a service provider, how to value me. And I think it really just comes down to a lot of confidence. I know a lot of people, they jump to blaming their pricing when they are having issues booking things. And it's like, no, it's probably not your pricing. It's probably the entire lead up process to the point where they do see your prices. Um, Amen. 
But I do think like your starting prices should live on your website just to weed people out to preserve your little energy bubble of like feeling good every day in your business, not having to open up those dreaded emails and feeling so deflated. Um, yes, like past clients will see those prices, you know? Um, I, I personally, like my ideal client doesn't care what I do with my business. Like it's my business. This is my rules. I get to make it up. Like I'm not playing by anyone else's rules. This is like my thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so my ideal clients, like they understand that and they value me and they respect me and my time and my energy and my talent. Like they don't value me for my price point at all. That is like literally the last thing on their list of like how they um, prioritize their values in me. So for my ideal clients, like it comes down to, again, educating them on like what I do, why I do what I do, how I do it, um, what sets me apart, what makes me different, and basically what makes me worth paying, even if like photography and the price point were completely out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just going back to the, having that third element, because if you're consistently just getting booked for your prices, that is going to be... You're just going to get burnt out. <laughs> and you're yeah. going to like get a lot of clients that just don't really value you, that don't really trust you, that micromanage you, that complain, that make a lot of requests, that don't act like your ideal client. And so it really just comes down to like teaching them how to value you, how to be that ideal client. And yeah, I don't know. Like if someone had a problem with me raising my prices, I'm like, that's not my problem. That's your problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> And like, I have tons of return clients and like, Every time I have one of those return clients, they happily pay whatever I'm charging and they tip me on top of it every single time, you know? Yes. Love. Okay, wait. I feel like this goes perfectly into... Because what you're saying is establishing yourself so you are a category of one. Like you are the only India Earl photographer experience out there and they are booking you for so much more. Yeah than just your photos, just your price point. And you can tell that you're doing... Like, people, like, say, like, oh, India Earl. Like, you you can tell that you're doing this because of, like, how people, in especially in the photography industry and even outside of it, like, view you, mm-hmm. which is just proof in exactly what you're teaching and what you're saying. Yeah. I have a, a question real fast. Have you read $100 million offers by Alex Hormozzi? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay, you need to literally read it tomorrow because <laughs> every single thing that you're teaching and saying is literally like uh, the pricing chapter of his book. It's oh, wow. like, literally go read that. I, you're going to like laugh as you read it because you're going to be like, yes. <laughs> you're like, I've been teaching this for years. <laughs> well, and that's like kind of the funny thing. Like the longer you're in business... You- the more you realize like how simple running a business actually is right? And how simple sales psychology actually is. Like you can sell anything if you, again, understand the rules and then learn how to creatively break them. Like that's all that it is. Like, but it's really simple. Like people have been selling things forever. It's literally just changing people's mindsets. That's all yes. you're marketing. It's literally like pricing psychology. And I love that you mentioned you've taught your customers and potential customers to value the experience so that you are a category of one and it's like the price is irrelevant at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Hello. I wanted to interrupt this episode really quick to remind you that we have an apparel shop with heart-filled pieces. (laughs) See what we did there? (laughs) That we have designed with you in mind. In the shop, we've got t-shirts, crop tops, sweatshirts, mugs, hats, and more all created with comfy and cute designs that you can rock in your everyday life. This collection is for you if you love the show and want to share it with your friends in a cool way, or if you want to wear something cute as heck that was intentionally designed with powerful phrases to remind you that you can do it. You were made to be a world changer and that the Lord created you wildly capable of big freaking things. Now, Obvi, this is a podcast and we can't show you how cute as heck these pieces are on the show. So run, don't walk to the heart shop to check out our apparel and more. You can head to www.theheartuniversity.com forward slash apparel to grab your favorite pieces today. Hey, hey, if you are new here and haven't heard about our online resource shop, ooh, listen up. The Heart Shop is a digital resource and template shop for creative entrepreneurs and photographers. There are so many goodies for creative entrepreneurs in the shop, like website templates, PDF guide templates, illustrations to enhance your brand, and lots more. But one thing in particular we made sure to add was contract templates. Y'all, the horror stories we have heard in our years of business is 
unmatched and a little terrifying. (laughs) Clients refusing to pay after you've delivered a service, clients demanding their retainer back after canceling on you last minute. The list goes on. Business shouldn't feel like you're walking on eggshells though. And yet that's how most of us feel when we first start our business. We're petrified to make a wrong move or have an unhappy client. Okay. But here's the truth. One of the first foundational steps of owning your own business should be protecting yourself legally with contracts. Yes, yes, even for friends and family. Contracts allowed us to walk in confidence as we grew our photography businesses. But also hiring a lawyer to create custom contracts for you is a pain in the butt and the wallet. And grabbing whatever free or cheap template online is often not enough protection. Yes. So we wanted to make this as easy and seamless for you as possible and give you the resources to make sure you have your butt protected. We have partnered with our favorite lawyer and attorney, Paige, from the legal page. She has not only created powerful contract templates, but her team is so present and ready to help figure out which ones you need for your business. You can stack our contracts in our shop like the wedding photography contract, destination intimate wedding contract, cancellation and rescheduling bundle, second shooter and associate contracts, and honestly, so much more. Just head to theheartcontracts.com for 10% off. That's theheartcontracts.com. Okay, well, with that, my question is for the current listener who is sitting there saying, oh, but India, I live in Mm -hmm. blank area and there is so much competition in my niche, in my town, in my state, whatever it is. I live in a cheap, like Nebraska. Yeah. Podunk town. No one, (laughs) people aren't willing to spend more than a hundred dollars on a photo shoot or whatever it looks like. What would you say to the person who is currently charging or not charging based on their competition, whether locally or just in their niche and basing their prices solely off of what the industry norm is or what they believe their clients are willing to spend or not spend? I feel like people are always going to like, especially with anything that has to do with money, anything that has to do with calling in more money, asking for more money, attaching numbers to, I mean, we're attaching numbers to art. Like it's a very weird, vulnerable thing to do. Right. Um, and like, I know a lot of photographers, like they feel like their business is them. Um, but for me, like my business is separate from me. It's not me. Like, yes, I absolutely love it. I love photography. I love what I do, but like, at the end of the day, it's a job. Um, and I feel like having that separation helps me energetically be willing to risk things in order to like, let it grow. Um, there's always going to be a million reasons not to like ask for more money and not to raise your prices. Um, I think it really comes down to just having the willingness to decide whether or not you want other people to determine your value or not. So like, if you live in a small town, like also just quick note, like I grew up in a really small town in very rural area of Utah. It's called Roosevelt. It's like really small population. My graduating class was like 60 people. And like all my clients out there, they would like show up (laughs) to their shoots. And like the guy would have like a monster energy shirt on or like (laughs) like freaking, Oh my gosh. That's like when I made my what to wear guide, I was like, (laughs) so no more of that. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks so much. But like, that's like what I grew up in. And there was only about like six photographers in my town, um, including me. And I was like the, the newest one, I guess. And like, I mean, I was like a teenager at the time as well. So that was like a whole nother thing. But like, there were like these two photographers, their names are Ty and Nicole. I can, they're burned in my memory forever. <laughs> but like I used them as my gauge for a long time of like what I could charge. And they were only charging like 350 for a session. And that was like luxury premium pricing for a session, a session out there. And I eventually just got to a point where I was like, I'm letting them like, their limits and their limiting beliefs around pricing determine what I make. And so that's when I kind of had that break of being like, I need to like unsubscribe from everything they're doing. I stopped following all the photographers that I was following. I stopped looking at their websites. I just figured out a strategy that worked for me. Um, and that was really helpful. And then again, it just came down to like, those people in the small towns, like they can tell you what you're worth, or you can tell them what you're worth. Like you have to flip the script and you have to be creative about how you do that. Um, for me, again, it's just selling a transformation, a transformation, especially with something like 
um, photography. It's a luxury service. It's not something that's a necessity whatsoever. And so you have to teach people like, what is it that you're selling that is not just the photos and not just the price? Like, what is it? Like, if you went and did this whole sit, this whole shoot or whatever, and like, you never gave them photos, like, what did they get out of it? Mm. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say like having that third factor, cause like I have been mentoring for so long. I have seen how I can teach students literally every single thing that I do, every single way that I interact with clients, how I pose, how I edit, how I deliver, how I do what, how I run my entire business from the inside out. And I can do it over and over and over again. But at the end of the day, no matter what, I can teach any student everything I do, but they will never be able to embody this thing that I have. This, I call it my special secret sauce. <laughs> it's like my Chick-fil-A sauce or something. <laughs> like, Chick-fil-A is so wild because it's like literally just chicken sandwiches. Literally. <laughs> like there are so many chicken sandwich companies out there. A million. And all they're doing is they have the freaking sauce. And like, we know the ingredients. It's honey mustard and barbecue sauce. <laughs> it's not crazy. It's very easy to make at home, but like we keep going back to Chick-fil-A, you know? And so to me, I'm like, what is my secret sauce? To me, I've realized that it's, it's funny. Cause it's also like what I think is what sets me apart as a human being. And as an educator, as a photographer, like I'm a good space holder. I hold space for people. I make them feel safe. I make them feel like they have a space to expand in and express themselves in and be heard and seen and feel really beautiful and amazing and embraced while doing it. And just like holding their hand throughout that and just like being the ultimate hype woman. Like if anyone's ever like shot with me or learned from me, you know that I'm like running around screaming half the time and just like <laughs> about profanities and about how hot everyone is, whatever. Like that's <laughs> how I've always been. Like even on my little softball team that I do every single year, people are like afraid of me because I'm just like the only one screaming at the softball game. So I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. Like that's just... <laughs> part of like what I wouldn't be able to teach someone like another photographer, you know? And so like, that's my secret sauce. Like I'm sharing, I'm selling my energy. I'm selling, making people feel seen and heard and held and really, really beautiful and embraced in whatever season of life they're going through. Even if it's really, really hard and romanticizing the hell out of that and making beautiful art together out of that. Like that's what I'm selling. I'm selling the experience. It has nothing like the photos are great. That's a cherry on top though, for my clients. That's literally just the cherry. Um, mm -hmm. and that's like also what makes the pricing not as relevant. Like obviously, you know, there's always going to be people that can't afford you. And that's like another thing you just have to realize is like, no matter what, you're always going to be too expensive for someone, whether you're charging $100 for a session or $10,000 for a session, you're always going to be too expensive for someone out there. So you have to just let that limiting belief go. Um, so that way you can really allow yourself to grow and expand and be able to experiment with your pricing and find that sweet spot and embody the confidence that you have in that secret sauce that makes you different from everyone else around you. Because if you can like really like communicate the value of that really well, really clearly and do it over and over and over again, do it on the client journey over and over and over again, when they see your prices, it'll be more so like a full body yes for them where they're more so making an emotional decision rather than a calculated logical decision. Mm. Yeah. I just, the, 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 everything that you just said in the last like 10 minutes have been like a mic drop moment. Yeah. And I wanted to <laughs> highlight something that you did and you even said a little bit, but I just want to like highlight it for our listeners. You explained so confidently and so in detail, like the secret sauce that India brings to your sessions. And I, there's such confidence and assurance in who you are in your answer. And I think that's like such a huge issue that I see, not even in photographers, just any service provider ever when they're looking at pricing or any business decision, like you so confidently know your why and what makes you stand out. And I feel like so many people, I don't think they would obviously associate this with pricing, but they, they don't know. They might have a why of like why they started their business. Like they want to have freedom or they want to work for themselves or they really love the art of photography or what at flower making, whatever it is. But I, I almost like, as you were talking, I was like, people need to like sit down with a paper and pen or a Google doc, like, and a cursor blinking and like write out what makes them different and why someone should hire them versus somebody else. Cause if they can't even answer the question of 
what makes me special or what, why should someone pick me even if they didn't receive my product? Like that's huge. Yeah. I, I just, why do you expect anyone else to know either? You know, right. like if you're not willing to stand confidently and then communicate that, I feel like that in and of itself is how you share the value and how you explain and, and showcase the feeling of the experience that you provide and selling that versus worrying and calculating about pricing, like you said. Well, absolutely. And like, that's one of like the main things that I walk my students through is like, figure out what your secret sauce actually is. Cause yeah, like you were saying, like, if you don't even know what it is that you're selling, how is anyone else supposed to know that? If you're not confident in that, how can you expect your clients to be confident in you as well? Like, of course, you're going to have clients over and over where you're like, why are they micromanaging me? Why are they making so many requests? Why can't they just trust me? Why are they making all these, you know, like that just sucks. And it's like, okay, well, maybe it's because you're energetically like communicating that for yourself and you're not even realizing it. Like people don't want to hire an insecure photographer. They want to hire someone that's like, yeah, I got this. I got you, you know? Yeah. And like for me personally, like I, I know I come off extremely confident. Um, it's literally just because I've just learned to do this for so many years and you eventually have to come to a point of choosing to be slightly delusional because I don't know <laughs> if there's anyone that's like actually born confident. I definitely was not that person at all. Um, it's something I've very much learned in my adult life. Like I've always been a people pleaser. I've always been very insecure. I compare myself to others. I don't, I for a long time didn't have like a really great sense of self. Like I would kind of just adapt to whatever I was admiring, like whatever people or photographers or whatever I would I had admired and I would just try and become them and basically just copy. And, you know, when you do that, you just kind of become a watered down version of someone else. And it's not as easy to sell, you know, yourself when you're not even being yourself, but like, actually like for the people listening, like literally pause this and sit down and like, just set a timer for two minutes and write out what your secret sauce is. The thing that you can't teach anyone else. And like, maybe it's not even your energy. Maybe it is like experiences that you've gone through. Like I've done this with photographers where they have like experienced insane amounts of grief throughout their life. And so that literally is their magic sauce of being able to just like be so empathetic and loving. And like, then they completely, once they figure out that's their secret sauce, they come up with all these different offers of like, okay, instead of doing like family sessions, I'm going to do these sessions that are made for like mothers that are, you know, in their last stages of nursing or for mothers that have like lost a child or like they like are able to take that and make their business more themselves. And it's so much easier to run a business from that place of feeling like it's so aligned to you. And so you're not just doing like family photos, you're doing something that's so much deeper and more beautiful than mm -hmm. that. Um, and so I don't know, like, I just think there's a million ways that you can go about doing this. And if you're struggling with it, like that's very normal. Like when I first started doing this exercise, like I would sit down, I was like, I don't know what to write at all. Like I just pretend <laughs> to be everyone else. So like, and I can't write what everyone else does. And so for me, I kind of turned to like, okay, what do I get complimented on by my clients and by like friends and family the most? Like that can be my secret sauce to start with. Like, okay, I make people feel really comfortable like with the posing, like that can be it. It doesn't have to be anything like groundbreaking. It's something that will slowly grow with time. So don't like be too hard on yourself. It's supposed to be a hard process, especially because I know so many like creatives and artists and photographers, like we're very empathetic, like feeling humans. And I think for a lot of us, it's been so ingrained in us that like embodying confidence kind of makes you look cocky when I don't think that's what it is at all. Like there's such a huge difference between confidence and cockiness and confidence and humility. I think a lot of people think like humility is something that's so praised um, where it's like you get a compliment and then you're immediately just like, Oh yeah, no, like you're beautiful too. Or like, they'll say like, Oh, your hair is so great. And you're like, Oh, it's so, it's such a mess. It's so dirty, whatever. Like, why do we think we have to make ourselves be so small to make other people comfortable? Like, hmm. I think I just kind of got to a point where I was insecure for a really long time. I was just pretending to be everyone else for so long. And like, you just stop having fun after a couple years of doing that. And it just starts mm -hmm. to feel like grind and you find a lot of resistance points in your business. Like I 
kind of had to come to Jesus moment with myself where I was like, I did not come to this earth to just pretend to be a watered down version of everyone else. Like Mm -hmm. I did not come to this earth to make other people comfortable, to take up like no space. Like I am here to create art and like connect with people and make them feel amazing and beautiful and create really amazing experiences for others. And like, that's not just in my business, but in my personal life as well. And like, I think once you can tap into your own magic, selling literally becomes like the easiest part of your business. Like me now, like selling my stuff for the past, like five, six years, that's literally the easiest part of my business. I don't even have to like think about it because it's so, so simple. Um, Mm -hmm. You just have to like tap into that magic first, get creative with it, find your way of how you like to show up and sell or present your worth. And then after that, it literally just becomes like a fun game. Again, like break, like understand the rules, then break them over and over. Oh, I love this. I think like everything you just said is basically like, put on your blinders, find your lane, stay in your lane, (laughs) and then serve the heck out of your clients. Like it's, that's literally the, the basis that I feel like a lot of us entrepreneurs hear all the time is like, Oh, stay in your lane. But you just broke it down in such a like, Hey, heart to heart, you and me, let's talk about this. That is like mind blowingly good. It's so good. And yeah, I kind of want to touch on when you said, cause I feel like this is so accurate. You said so many creatives are so empathetic and we have our heart and our emotions and we care so much for our clients and our businesses are our babies and all of that. I feel like when it comes to pricing, what Lindsay and I have heard, and I'm sure you've heard it before from a lot of entrepreneurs is this fear of charging more, not necessarily because they don't feel like they're worth it or they deserve it. Yes. But almost more from the empathetic place of their clients and feeling like, but I don't want to charge $10,000 for my package. Like or, I don't want to have my clients just be rich people. Like I've literally heard yes. that on a coaching call or like a coaching student of yes. like, I would love to charge more, but I want to serve like someone that doesn't have the like money. The, like the, let's say photographers, because we're all three of us right. talking are photographers like a photographer who is like, I want to serve the young newlywed couple or like about to newly engaged couple that have both just graduated college within the last few years and have student debt and their parents aren't super wealthy, but they're madly in love. Like, what would you say to the person, the entrepreneur who kind of has that hesitation or roadblock around the concept of pricing and raising their prices? I mean, I think it just comes down to like what you want to get out of it. Like, do you want to be, you know, a charity (laughs) or or do you want to like be respected and valued for your art and also work with people that really, really value you that you like, I don't feel like I'm ever robbing people with my Mm -hmm. pricing. Mm -hmm. I personally wouldn't pay what I charge. Like when I'm going to hire a photographer for like my wedding someday, I'm not going to pay what I charge. I'm going to get someone way cheaper because I just don't (laughs) value photography at that level. I love it. It's my life. But like, I don't need a chart. I don't need to pay $15,000 for a wedding photographer. I'm fine with a $2,000 photographer. And that's just me. But like, to me, like, I don't feel like I'm ever robbing my clients of anything. I feel like they hire me and they're just like, so grateful that I'm there. They are so respectful. They are so amazing. They treat me like a human because I teach them to treat me that way. I had the biggest block for a long time when I was getting to this point where I started to charge five figures for my photography, where I was like, Oh my gosh, I love my clients so much. They're so laid back. Like they're just dirt bags. Like a lot of them are living on the road. They're living really unique lifestyles. They are artists. Like almost all of my clients are creatives. Um, it's rare that I don't have a client that is like some sort of freelance creative. And so obviously, you know, you're like, that's, you know, that's a lot of money, especially for someone that just runs their own business to pay somebody. But like, I don't know, at the end of the day, I, I can do things that give back to other people in other ways, but like doing it with every single job in my business, that's going to burn me out because I'm not here to be a charity. I'm here to be profitable and make money. Like, again, at the end of the day, like my photography is separate than me. It is not my whole life. Like it is just a piece of my life. It's just my business. And it is this thing that I'm willing to risk in order to live a really beautiful, 
gorgeous, sparkly life outside of that. Like it is just a job at the end of the day. And I think that's like, I think for a lot of people, they hear that and they're like, oh, well, you just don't care that much about your art. I care a lot about my art, but I also feel like there's this line of becoming way too empathetic that like, to me is just a sign of not, not clear boundaries. I think a lot of people underestimate the power of having boundaries with yourself in your business. And I think a lot of like creatives and business owners are, they're people pleasers. A lot of the time, I've definitely been a people pleaser for a long time. And it's something you have to kind of continually break over the years as you grow up. But like, you can either choose to be a people pleaser, or you can choose to be profitable. Like, you can be a people pleaser in other areas of your life, though. And like, also, I love spoiling my clients. Like, I have so many clients where they hire me and then I'm like, oh, let me just throw in some film for you guys, like on me. Like you can do stuff like that in a way that feels really good for you without you having to feel guilt for what you're charging. Like, I think that is just like a scarcity mindset and not so much in like money, but just scarcity in like what your value is. Like, again, Mm. honing in on like, what you can confidently like stand in as far as like what you have to offer outside of your pricing and outside of your photography or whatever service it is that you offer design florals coaching whatever it is like take those things out of it what is it that people are paying for from you mm-hmm. um and so i think like once you can figure that out you really stop feeling bad but like that's not to say that like i don't do other things where like there's plenty of times where i'm just like you know what i feel so connected to this client like I want to help them out. I'm going to give them a discount or something like that. I only ever yeah. extend discounts if it's from me. If anyone ever asks for a discount, it's a hell no. Yes. <laughs> That's just an immediate red flag to me. I will never like offer a di- I will never grant a discount. I will only ever offer them. And I think people are so... People are very... Like our industry, there's so much shame culture around discounts. It's so annoying. I literally... <laughs> every time I'm in a Facebook group and you see that bro, that's like <laughs> you're sure ruining the industry for everyone else. Like, bro, F off. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> please. Please. Like, if I want to go shoot that destination wedding for free, I'm going to do that. This is my business. This is my world. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that you just have to realize that you just need to align your business with your values. Like I love giving discounts. I honestly shoot for free a lot of the time because I can afford to like, that's something for me that feels so, so abundant that I purposely make happen in my business. I never shoot for free for any other reason than my enjoyment because I love it. Um, and like, I, yeah, I would say like my entire fall this past year, I did about like eight shoots that I did for completely free. And those are my favorite. That's my favorite work that I've made in years. Like, I think it's so, so healing for your business to be able to do that. I think that feels like medicine shooting without like any sort of pressure of the money or the exchange that you're, you know, giving and taking from the client. And then it just becomes about like the creative aspect of it. Like that literally is medicine for my business. So I make sure that I make enough money with all my other jobs so that way I can make the time and space to work for free and not have any animosity about it whatsoever. Yeah. Yes. I was literally, Lindsay and I were looking at each other and I like raised my hand to be like, I'm going to, I want to say something again. Cause I was going <laughs> to ask you that. Cause I feel like that is, is something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't keep in mind. They're like, it's oh, like, no. it's great to like want to hum or like bless people. Yeah. But it's, but like, you can't afford to. Well, that <laughs> it's like, just because you want to bless somebody, like just because you want to bless that, that newly engaged couple who can't afford any photographer at all or whatever, like, you know, doesn't mean that you have to keep your pricing across all clients, across all, like the whole, across the board down at like a bare minimum, because you think that that's loving. Like, no, granted, if you feel called to that and you feel peace on that, by all means, like it is your business, run your business the way you want to. But I am on the same page with you, India, of like, hey, I have no issues offering a discount to a client that I'm like, you and me, we're going to be besties. Like you and me, we are working together. I don't care. You can't afford me. It's fine. I will come down and meet you. Like I have no qualms doing that because like you're saying, India, it's like, I have that freedom. I have that flexibility. And I know that they value me. Like I know that they're coming away from a consult call, like almost in tears because they're like, we cannot stretch our budget that far. And we are so sorry. You are worth every penny. That's when I have the joy of being like, you know what? I would love it. I would love to work with you. Let's meet in the middle. Um, And I think that's like 
something that a lot of entrepreneurs forget is that, hey, like there's nothing wrong with a discount, especially when you are the one bringing it to the table and being like, no, 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 no. We have a connection here and it would be so fun for me and so like fulfilling. Like you're saying, free shoots, nothing better. Nothing better, especially when you're in a creative rut. Like you get to call the shots in your business. And if you want to set aside, like intentionally shoot two weddings a year for free or however much for a couple who cannot afford a good wedding photographer, by all means, like have that be a part of your business model. But that doesn't mean that you have to consistently charge pennies for all your clients in order to feel like you're serving people. I don't know. I could rant on that, but (laughs) for sure. And I love that you said like, include it in your business model. Like I was going through, um, just this month kind of looking at like what projects I want to do for the year. And that's always something that I bring into my yearly business model is like, what do I want to do to like give back? And like, sometimes it is just like donating to charity or whatever. But like this year I was like, I want to do like something that's fun and like, just is kind of silly and doesn't really make sense. And so like what I'm doing this year is I'm going to do like a whole month where I open up like 10 session slots. They're all for free. And it's all just for like senior dogs, like over you know 10 years old, like just sessions for people with those older golden year pups and like, just Aww. give them like free 30 minute sessions or something like that for like kind of end of life stuff. Like to me, that's something that is going to be so fulfilling for me. And like, that's my like give back. Yeah. I love that. So I think it's like, yeah, just find what you want to do. I know some people like they do mini sessions for free for like two days or something like that. I know some people will give away like, you know, full packages or full sessions or things like whatever it is. Like, I just think there's so many ways that you can do so much good with like your skills and talents. Like even the other day, I just signed up to be a photographer for like this aviary that is down the road for me. And they do like special education events. And I'm just going to be the photographer for that. Like, obviously, like not really what I do, but like, to me, that's going to bring me so much joy. And like, that's me like balancing out like that empathetic side of myself to give back without having to sacrifice my value and just like how I want to show up in my own business and show up for like protecting my own energy and my talent. So, yeah. So good. Oh my gosh. India, literally like every, I'm going to, I no, I don't have words. Okay. <laughs> I literally don't, I cannot talk. Uh, you have blown so many minds today. I know for a fact, as people are listening to this, they're just like, oh my gosh. Repeat lesson, take notes, do yes. it again. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so we love to end this episode with two kind of fast paced, or not even fast paced, just like rapid fire end of, podcast episode questions. The first one is selfish because me and Evie love to read, but we like to ask any guest that comes on, do you have a favorite book that you've read recently? It doesn't have to be business or like focused at all. It could be literally whatever. My all-time favorite book that I read like every week, it's a children's book. It's called Boy, the Mole, the Fox, the Horse. Oh, I love that. It's Oh, she's a good one. That's like my favorite book. So yeah, that's like always my (laughs) go-to. Okay, perfect. That's amazing. And then the second one is what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in business? I know that's like, I put that in the rapid fire, but that's actually kind of like a meaty question that we just threw on you. (laughs) I think just to play, like stop taking it so seriously. Like we take business so seriously. Obviously, you know, it's our income. It's like the lifeblood. Like we need to pay bills. We need to do all these things. But like, I think the more that you can just integrate fun and passion and joy into your business, that makes whatever it is that you're selling so magnetic to people. Like they just want a slice of your joy and your love or your passion or just how much, yeah, how much you get out of that. Like the more I just consistently try and refine my business. So that way it just feels fun and lighthearted and easy and just silly and whatever. Like that to me is more magnetic than any perfect website I could put together, any ad, any whatever, whatever marketing tactic, whatever perfect sales pitch, whatever. Like if you can just sell like that energy and that feeling and that love and just joy that you have in what you do, that's going to sell so much easier than having any sort of perfect marketing strategy or anything like that. So just taking the pressure off and just 
consistently doing everything you can to enjoy what you do, I promise that will make you more money than literally any uh, anything else that you can learn about business. So yeah. Oh, freaking amen. That's gospel truth right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. India, you are so fun to talk to. I feel like we could talk to you for hours about all sorts of different topics, <laughs> but... Where can our listeners find you? Where can they learn from you? Where can they, you know, sign up for the senior golden year pup portraits later this year? Like where can everyone connect with you? Yeah. So my Instagram's just my name, India Earl. And that's like where all my photography and my education lives. I have both of my websites, indiaearl.com for my photography, indiaearleducation.com for all my education, all that jazz. Um, my pricing workshops on there as well for anyone that like wants to kind of have like me hold their hand through that process. Um, if this is something that you're resonating with, but yeah, that's like the best place to find me. And like, if anyone listening has any questions about anything at all, like you can totally DM me. I'm, I love being in my DMs, voice messaging people back and forth. So yeah, if any questions came up, I'm here. <laughs> awesome. India, thank you so much. You just rocked our world and I cannot wait for people to listen to this episode. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for having me. 